Just say hello, my name's Steph. I'm one of the pastors here also, if you're um, not used to being here. Sorry about the badly ironed shirt. It was looking all right this morning. Something happened, I don't know what, midday. <laughs> but this is the result. So, um, although I can't, I can't pretend all the buttons were there this morning. They weren't. So that, 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 that was original. So anyway, sorry about that. Um, Jesus still loves me. All right, okay. We're just looking at, uh, uh, we're doing two weeks of just, we normally do a series. We work through a particular book in the Bible or a particular theme. This last two weeks, we're just doing two standalone sermons. So um, this one, this, I'm just looking at really what is, um, how does the Christian life work fundamentally? I think so many people think, even Christians, even Christians think it's basically this rule scenario. It's fundamentally, if you distill it down, it's about doing and not doing certain things. Um, and I want to just say that is really not the fundamental um, heartbeat, a rhythm, uh, uh, dynamic of the Christian life. It isn't. There are definitely elements of the Christian life whereby, as a result of being a Christian, you do do certain things and don't do certain things. But that is not the heart of the relationship. It's much more dynamic than that. It, it operates on this thing called faith. And I'm going to be t- t- talking about faith today. And really, what is faith? See, biblically, it's really important you get this. Uh, biblically, faith isn't what people generally describe it as today in our culture. There's been a departure, if you like, in terms of what the Bible means when it talks about faith and what um, sort of, uh, British society uh, means when it talks about faith. The same word is being used, but to describe different things. So it's really important that we, um, that we look at that. So my observation is, is that people in, um, in our culture, when they talk about faith, they're basically talking about um, something which sources within yourself... And it's just like an inner strength in something, whether it's in humanity in general or whether it's in a particular religion. It's very interesting when Davina had cancer a couple of years ago and um, we I go to the, you know, obviously, um, three young children spend a lot, a lot of time in the playgrounds and uh, people obviously sooner or later got wind of the fact that she wasn't well and would, would ask how she's doing and I would point to the fact that, you know, give them an update but then say, we just, we're trusting Jesus, we're praying... And unequivocally, their response was, it's great that your faith is pulling you through. And I think what they meant by that was, it's great that you've got this kind of internal strength thing. Um, it just so happens that it's about Jesus. But really, their, their focus, I spoke about Jesus, they commented on my faith. And I found that really interesting. Because I was actually thinking, do you know what, actually fundamentally, um, that's really not how I see faith as a Christian. You see, biblically, the big deal with faith is the object of your faith. That's, that's the way the Bible makes a really big deal about the object of your faith. Um, in the sense that it points to the God of the Bible, the God of creation. Also spoke through the prophets as recorded in the Bible and spoke finally through Jesus. Revealed himself fully in Jesus Christ. That, that, he is the object of my faith. So my faith isn't some internal strength that I've kind of mustered up in, oh, well, we'll go for Jesus. No, what happened was, was that Jesus <laughs> broke into my life when I was aged 18, revealed himself to me. And, and now I know him. And I am utterly convinced of his faithfulness. So, so my faith is really about his faithfulness. The big deal for me wasn't, wasn't oh, aren't I doing well? Davina's got cancer and, and, I, and I'm you know, in pretty decent shape. Aren't I doing well? That really wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking I'm being carried. I'm being carried by someone who is not a figment of my imagination. Uh, it's not that my faith is getting me through. He is getting me through. And so there's a, there's a, there's, I just want you to understand that because if you're, if you're here and you're, um, maybe you're, you would say that you're not particularly of any particular kind of faith. 
um, or maybe you're here and you are, you, you are part of a different religion but not Christianity, I want, I want you to understand that when I talk about faith, I'm talking about something unique. It is a, a gift from God that comes as we, as we, as we by, his, as, as by the Holy Spirit, we see Jesus, we get, oh, there he is, faith comes. There's a gift of faith that comes from God and we can entrust ourselves entirely to him. And because he is faithful, um, he brings us through hardships, hard times and storms, but he brings us through victoriously. So that's what I'm talking about. And I'm going to just look at a story, someone in the Bible today, one of the heroes of the faith, and just look at the story, tell you a story really, and unpack principles of faith as a result of looking at the story. Finally, I want to say this. I want, my, my plan is, is that my life will be a string of miracles. That's, that's the plan. And I, I say it, and I, I deliberately could come across really wrong, but I want to just say it at the start. It is absolutely my hope and my plan that, that, that who I become and what I do is completely inexplicable. Yeah? That who, who I am and, and what I do, people would look at and say, that is, that, that doesn't add up. <laughs> who you are naturally does not add up with who you, who you are and what you do. Um, that, is, that is my plan. Uh, um, when I pray for the impossible and people say to me, why pray for that? It's impossible. My reply will be, that's why I'm praying for it. Because I believe in a God who can do anything. And that is how I determine I'm going to live my life. After being a Christian 20 years, I'm more and more convinced in the fact that God answers prayers. He really does. And so often we don't, we don't have because we don't ask. And when we ask, we ask amiss. We either ask for out of wrong motives or we don't actually believe he's going to do it. And as a result, we miss what God's going to do. And I, I, I don't believe in a, I'm not saying when I believe in a life that's going to be one miracle after another. I'm not saying I, don't, I believe there'll be hard times. I believe there'll be storms. I believe there'll be seasons of confusion. Yes, yes, yes. But when all said and done, and when, however old I get to, whenever you take a step back and look at it, I, I believe that actually the thing that comes through will be, look, God came through there. Look, God did something incredible there. Look, how did he do that? How did that guy do that? What, because of him. And it will point to him and his ability to do impossible things. And um, I think if the church can be explained, something's wrong. If your life and our life corporately, Revelation Church, can be explained, something is wrong. Who we are and the way we live and what we are able to accomplish is supposed to be completely inexplicable. It's like, man, God must be with them. And that's, that's really, that's, that's, I think that's God's heartbeat because he wants to get glory and honour through his people because he's, he deserves it. When other people search for glory and honour, it's a bit ugly, but with God, it's totally appropriate. He deserves it. He, he made all things. He's, he's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah? So, you know, if you're going to give other people adulation, just stop for a moment. He made all things. And, any, and the most impressive person on the earth, all that they have has been received from God. So he's very impressive and he's really worthy of that stuff. And, um, and it's what we call worship. So that's what we're made for. So we're going to look at the story of Abraham today. We're going to go from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And we'll hopefully just get very stirred about this idea of living by faith. And really, if you're a Christian, I want to get you fired up about faith. I really want to get you uh, living adventurously as a result. Um, if you're here and you're not a Christian or you're not sure what you believe, I really want to just give you a beautiful panoramic view of what it means to walk with Jesus, the wonder of knowing him and what can happen as a result. So if we go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, if you haven't got a Bible with you, don't worry, I'm going to read it out. I'm going to just read a bit of the story, the narrative here, then talk a bit, read a bit, talk a bit, and then we'll be done. Okay, Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. So he lived in a place called Ur, not a great name, but that's where we live, U-R, Ur of the Chaldees, kind of uh, modern-day Iraq kind of area. 
And God spoke to him and called him out of that place into modern day Israel. But the way he did it, the way, the way God did it is that actually God just said, leave. And first of all, he didn't even know where he was going. He got the direction, but he didn't get the destination. Really important. God spoke to Abraham, go, and he went, but he didn't actually know where he was going. He just knew the direction that he was going. He went out not knowing where he was going. Point number one, faith enabled Abraham to step out into the unknown. That is a key component of living by faith. So often you speak to Christians and they're like, and they're really worried and you say, what's the matter, what's the matter? I don't know the future. No, of course not. No one does. And it's not part of your Christian right to know the future. God is not a fortune teller. He's not going to just say this, this, this. No, he might give give you a clue at a time. He'll get you in the right direction. But the destination, in terms of the details of how life's going to pan out, I was going to say go to the horoscopes for that, but don't, you know, don't go to the horoscopes. But you can have that approach to Christianity. It's not, it's not how it works. God says, go and trust me. It doesn't give you like a little manuscript of this and then this and then this. No, go and trust me. I'm good. I'll lead you. Sometimes God just wants to get us moving because it's easier to steer a moving ship, yeah? It's easier to get something steered in the right direction. If it's moving, often God just says, go. There was a woman called... Jackie Pullinger, many of you may have heard of her. She's in Hong Kong and has had an amazing life the last 40 or 50 years serving drug addicts in, in Hong Kong and seeing amazing life change. And, you know, just incredible story. If you ever get a chance to read about her life, whether you're a Christian or not, it's inspiring. But how did she get there? She just felt God say, go. So she just got on a boat. She just got on a boat and she just waited till God said, get off. You read a story, literally. She took it to some, you know, she heard God say, go, she took it to her pastor. They prayed about it, felt God saying, this is God. So she just got on a boat. Hong Kong came, was like, ah, okay, she got off. It's a life of faith. It may not be that dramatic for you, but there must be some element of that if you're following the Lord. That it's like, well, okay, we're just going to promise him. The point is this, the naked promise was enough for Abraham. It was enough that God had said it. That was the really, really big deal. There was no instruction as to where he would end up. A bit like when Peter got out of the boat. Most of you know the story of Peter who walked on water. Jesus walking on water. Peter's in the boat. And Jesus says, don't, don't be afraid. When they see him on the water, they think he's a ghost. He says, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. If it's you, tell me to come. It's the same thing. Okay, I know it's you that said it. Now I'm going to come. And really, at the end of the day, all you know is he said it and I'm on my way to Jesus. That's the big deal. If Jesus calls you somewhere, ultimately, guess where he's calling you? To himself. So you mustn't get worked up with secondary things. Oh, what's it going to be like? Oh, this, no, no. He's calling you to a life of adventure with him and he's the goal. And there will be practical things on the way. But that's really what is going on there. And it's very, very, uh, very exciting. It's exactly the same when we came to plant this church. We lived in South London, lived in Peckham and part of a church there. And we thought we'd be there for years. We felt, God, say, you've got to go. And first of all, we didn't know where we, we didn't know where we would come, but we said, right, God, we're going to go. We, was, we just prepared ourselves, said, so that's it. Okay, we started telling people, but I was praying, saying, I don't know where, but it's taking this story of Abraham to heart. It's fine, wherever, Lord, and he's brought us here, and it's been amazing. So he, he does it. He, he really, really does it. So I want to just ask you today, what is it for you? A new vocation, maybe. Maybe God's stirring you to a new vocation, and you're like, uh, if it's God, and you know it's God, do it. Do it. A new nation. Maybe you feel, you know what, it's really freaky, but I just feel like I should be going to this, uh, 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 another nation, and I don't know where. Or, well, start, start praying and start letting your roots be loosened. 
check it's God. Go, be wise, speak to those you respect and love, get counsel. But once, when God starts confirming it's really him, well, he's going to get you there. It's going to be exciting. New gospel community. Maybe you're feeling the stirring to just, oh, God's stirring a vision of me to share with the church. Okay. Well, start praying into it. Start doing something. If God has said go, find ways to get moving. Maybe, a new, maybe becoming a Christian. Maybe you're here and you just think, you know, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks or months or whatever, maybe you've been on the obstacle course, I don't know, and, and you've been asking questions and you just know, wow, I feel God's, I feel this is it. Well, okay, get moving. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He's really very up for adventure. He really, really is. So uh, someone once said that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. And that uh, spells risk, by the way, if any of you are... Um, <laughs> there's a sort of blank faces there. I saw, you know, I don't want to make any assumptions about him. It spells risk. And uh, amen to that. Okay, verse 9. Let's move on. Verse 9, Hebrews 11. Uh, it says then, By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. So this is very interesting here. Faith enabled Abraham, number one, to live simply and lightly. Just living in a tent. The equivalent is just you live in light. You've not got loads of clutter. Secondly, to live like a foreigner. So he was living there, but he was like nomadic. He's like, even though God had promised him this place, it was like he was living, he was living there, but he wasn't like totally part of the thing. He knew in his heart, he, he, there was, that wasn't his final home. He knew in his heart God had something more glorious for him. And then thirdly in this point is living with Isaac and Jacob and they're heirs of the same promise. So he's living in community with other people that are carrying the promises of God. I want to suggest to you that faith enables you to live lightly and simply as foreigners with other believers. That's the life of faith. Not to hoard loads and loads of clutter, but to just have enough to get to live simply. As Christians, we don't find our security in possessions. We don't, that's a false security. We don't... Just accumulating stuff. It's a, it's a false economy. Jesus said it will rust, it will spoil, and it will fade. We invest into eternity. And we live simply. And, we, and, we, and we, there's a sense in which we know we're foreigners. We know that, actually, ultimately, this isn't our home and never will be. The new heavens and the new earth is our home. That's what we know. And we live with others who are heirs of the same promise. We live in community. Some of, some of us are naturally a bit more isolated. Some of us are naturally a bit more introverted. You find just in, immense energy... <laughs> Living, being by yourself, not being around other people. Some of you, to be, let me just, an introvert, an extrovert, it's not, it's not someone quiet and someone loud. It's not someone who likes people and someone who doesn't, okay? What it is is this, an extrovert is simply someone who gets energised by being around other people. Just like, whoa, they get like batteries charged. An introvert is someone who gets batteries charged by being alone. And if you're an introvert, then it can be tempting to just kind of, you don't need other people. You don't feel you do. Maybe every now and then in crises you do. But day to day you don't feel the need for that. I want to just say this. That's the way, that's your personality. God has given you that. That's not bad. That's not wrong. But don't neglect fellowship. And I'm speaking, to, I'm speaking as one introvert to another. All right? This isn't the extrovert having a go. I'm an introvert. Okay? But I've just so learned, so, so learned to appreciate and love good fellowship. With, with other believers. It's just a beautiful thing. And, and time with people, I love it. So I want to just make that plea. It's part of God's plan to keep you from going wonky, to keep you from going... Introverts are prone to wonkiness. Get too intense. And they only see from their own perspective. Loads of blind spots. You need other people. You need other people. I need other people. Okay? It's God's blessing for us to live in community, to live in fellowship. So that's, that's what faith enables you to... Faith enables you to overcome 
those barriers if you're afraid of being around other people and that kind of thing. Um, we, uh, we carry promises. Let's carry them together. If you're part of the church here, God's made promises to this church. He's promised us will be a community of love and the miraculous. He's promised us amazing faith breakthroughs. He's even promised us he's going to give us a building so that we can uh, uh, train people and, and resource things. He's promised us, all these that come prophetically, he's promised us that we will, um, we will see a, 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 a church planted, school developed. He's promised us that we'll be a sending base to send many people to the nations. He's promised us he'll give us keys into the community where we'll really be able to serve our community. We've got some amazing promises, guys. It's not just things we've dreamt up. It's not just let's have a meeting and make up some ideas. God has spoken prophetically and confirmed it again and again. They're ours. Hold them in your heart. There's no way one person's going to see that those things come to pass. They're our promises. Let's dwell together by faith, praying into those and seeing them worked out. It's amazing what he's done already. Amen? Yeah. Verse 10. Then we're told, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Gets a bit mysterious at this point. You say, okay, so he's gone to this promised land, but he's looking for somewhere else. What's he looking for? Well, I would say this. Faith enabled Abraham to realise there would always be a sense, always, for the whole of his life, a sense in which the fulfilment of the promises of God in this life would never fully satisfy. Even as he's, you know, God promised him a, a child, he waited about 25 years for that child, the child came, amazing moment. But even then in that moment there was that sense, it wasn't, it was amazing, God's done it, but there's, there's something more, it's not enough. we're told here that God had put something deeper into Abraham's spirit, into his heart. God had put this sense, it's described as a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I want to read you from the book of Revelation, where it talks about what will happen at the end of all things. You need to hear this, guys. Everyone, regardless of where you're at, what the Bible says will happen at, at the end. This is how it will be. This is glorious. It says in Revelation 21, it says, uh, the Apostle John, I saw a new heavens and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. There it is, that city we hear about there. The holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He also said, Write down these words, for they are trustworthy and true. This, God had put the seed of that into Abraham's heart. Nothing in this life would ever fully, fully satisfy. He knew that there was a, an eternal place God was building. God was the architect of. It's the city of God. It's his people. It's his people, it's the the church in glory. It's our eternal home, it's God's eternal home. It's beautiful. God wants to lift our heads above just the temporary, just the here and now. It's it's so, so important that we let him do that. John had a vision of it. I want to ask if you've seen it. You might not have had a kind of a technical vision like John, but have you seen it in your heart? Because if not, what will happen is, is your roots will go so down into the here and now, you'll really struggle to live the life of faith. You will. But God's calling you beyond, come on, so you can live light, so you can live with that sense of eternity in your heart. If you don't see it, guys, it's tragic. It's really tragic if you don't see it. This passage goes on to say, he said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I'll give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It's all free. 
The one who conquers will have this heritage. I'll be his God. He'll be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulphur, which is the second death. I didn't want to read that. Because we're having such a lovely time together. I didn't want to read that. Because you think, oh, what's everyone going to think? But do you know what? I, 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 I'm not going to be ashamed of, of the whole testimony of God. Um, this is the word of God. And this is the truth of God. And actually we need to hear it. And it's not just a chance for Christians to have a, have a, you know, a go at non-Christians about it. It's not that. That's not the spirit of it. It's for all of us to just sense this is really serious stuff. And to have the fear of God in your life is a really beautiful thing. It's, a really, it's not like being afraid of someone. You know, it's negative. It's, it, it, there's a sense in which the Bible joins together the fear of God and the joy of the Lord. And it's like you, you're trembling, but you're delighted at the same time. It's the kind of fear that instead of making you run away, it makes you come closer because you get it. He is awesome. And he is holy. And he doesn't change with the weather like our societies do in different cultures, fads and trends. He is eternally absolute and holy and pure. And his standards do not change. But he's made a way freely for us to know him through Jesus. It's incredible that we understand this. And in verse 11, by faith Sarah, that's his wife, received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. This is really important you understand this part of the story, you see. Sarah getting pregnant was a physical miracle, not just because she was beyond the age of childbearing, she was really, really old. It wasn't why, it's because even when she was in the age of childbearing she couldn't conceive. So even when she was you would have thought she would have been fertile. She wasn't. And now she was about 90-odd, and she gets pregnant. I mean, that's, that's supernatural. It was conventional. It wasn't like the, birth of Je- the conception of Jesus. It wasn't, it wasn't like the, the, the virgin thing. It was conventional. But it was entirely supernatural that she could conceive at that age with her body. It was, it was a beautiful miracle. But God promised her. God, God said, I'm going to give you, you're going to have... Descendants that are going to number the stars of the stars of the sky. Now, how does that work? How, how, how does how did she receive the ability to conceive? Well, it tells us. Listen, she considered him faithful who promised. Remember what I said at the start about faith. It's about the faithfulness of him. It doesn't say she had inner strength, so she found her way through to pregnancy. No, it doesn't say that. She considered him faithful. You've said it. You don't lie. You've said it. You're the truth. And as a result of that. She was able to receive this incredible miracle. Verse 12. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as numerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith. They all died in faith. Not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear they're seeking a homeland. For if they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they could have returned. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Faith enabled Abraham and Sarah not to look back, but to keep pressing forward. Let's be honest. As a Christian, you hit seasons, don't you? Where you're very tempted to go, is there a route back? When you hit a trial, when you go through, you know, you go through the fire or the water, and it's like, man, when it gets really, really narrow all of a sudden, and you're like, ooh, is uncomfortable. It can be tempting to just kind of, which is why there's this big theme in scripture that says don't turn back, don't look back, you will regret it. 
You, I've known Christian friends. It's just got too hard, or it's got, and they've they've wobbled and they've ran back, and then you see them two or three years later, and it's like this just the despondency because they know the truth. They know they've seen Jesus. They know, and it's like, and you just want to restore and say, come on, let's get on the journey again. Let's get back on the road. Come on, let's not. Let's keep going forward. The Apostle Paul says, I forget, I forget, I put it out of my mind. I refuse to think about what was before and I, I look ahead because he had a horrible past, a past of violence and murder. And he said, you know what, I forget what's behind and I press on. He wouldn't be held captive by his past. Jesus said, whoever puts their hand to the plough in terms of going for the kingdom, working for the kingdom, and then, and then looks back, it's not, they're not worthy of the kingdom. If you're a Christian, you've been called into the most amazing, incredible thing, the kingdom of God. Don't look back. Strength of faith will enable you to push through and push through even when it's tough. Vital faith enables you to continue forward momentum and direction. Are you weighed down with discouragement? Are you tempted to give up? I want to just say you are part of a long line of people who have experienced the same but have overcome through Christ. Overcome. He is the overcomer. The Bible says we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. He will give you what you need. And then finally... Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Isaac was the child God had given him, and then God says, I want you to sacrifice him. So he offered him up. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. And it had been said of his son, through Isaac shall your offspring, offspring be named. So God had promised, oh, I'm going to give this child Isaac, and, then, and from him there will be these, all these descendants. And God says, offer him up. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. It's a terrible story. It's probably one of the most horrific stories in the whole Bible. Abraham obeys God and he's just about to offer up his son as a sacrifice. And in the moment, just about, God says, stop! And every, you know, when you're reading a story, you go, oh, you need to just go and get, like, I don't know, go and get a cup of tea or something. You need to go and do something. You need to just go and shake yourself out and get back to it. You can't, it's just, it's so tense. It's so tense, you think this can't be happening. Why would God, why would God, the God of the Bible, God never, ever throughout the Bible, ever encourages or affirms or even hints at a human sacrifice? No, why is God, why would God ask Abraham to do this? Well, God, God, God tells Abraham why. Just when he's about to kill him, God says, stop! Abraham looks up. God says, now I know you fear the Lord. Now I know that you're not actually in your heart of hearts worshipping this boy. You're not worshipping the promise, you're worshipping me. You see, because when God gives you stuff, it can get so precious in your heart. There are definitely times where God says, okay, on the altar. On the altar with that one. Why? Because he loves you and he wants your heart to be free from idolatry. He wants your heart to be free from worshipping things that aren't worthy of worship. And that's the thing with us people, we tend to just worship so many things, whether it's our intellect or another person or a particular hobby. We throw ourselves into things because we're made for worship and the whole time God's saying none of those things can satisfy you. Because the, the gap, the need is for infinite glory, only God can satisfy that. Only God can satisfy that. And so faith enabled Abraham to give up that which was most precious to him, even the thing that God had promised to him. Why? Because he knew it was God. God made it clear it was him and he, he did it. But he, he could, the man was heartbroken. In the last moment, God says, it's okay. And then what God does is God, pro, God provides a, a ram. He's got caught in a bush. And, and so God provides a sacrifice. And the most amazing thing is this. I want you to understand this. Abraham did not have to kill his son Isaac. But you know that hill where that happened? He took him up into this hill to, to commit this sacrifice? A lot of the theologians are saying that's probably the exact same hill where Jesus was crucified. 
And it's a picture of the gospel. Abraham gets to keep his son, but in his place, God gives his only son. Which is why the Bible calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was sacrificed as a sin offering so we could be forgiven. This is the good news. This is really good news. It's bloody and it's messy, but it's good news. It's good news because through the sacrifice of Jesus, through his death, through the debt he paid, we can go free. We can have brand new life. We can enjoy reconciliation with God. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the amazing message that God has given us. Abraham didn't understand everything. He didn't understand it all, but he knew God. And he knew that God was faithful. And the result of Abraham's obedience and faith is you and me here today. Because ultimately God promised Abraham that through him would come Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus came, and as a result of Jesus coming, here we are, those of us that are Christians, and wow, the faith that we have is possible because of the faith of Abraham. And I want to just say this to you today. As a believer, God does not call you to simply obey a certain set of rules. He calls you to a life of risk and adventure following him. It will enable you to step out into the unknown and get moving when you don't know which way it's going to go. It will enable you to live simply and lightly in a community of believers. It will enable you to realise that um, actually, you know what? No fulfilment of any promise in this life will ever fully make you feel totally home. When you get saved, God puts eternity in your heart. It will enable you to receive physical miracles. Physical miracles. Impossible things. Impossible things where God promises something. Whether it's healing or whatever, it will enable that. Faith will. Faith will, faith will enable you to not get caught in the trap of looking back, but keep pressing forward. And finally, faith will enable you to lay down that which is dear to you because you found something dearer. And... Uh, just speaking as one human to another, one very, very flawed <laughs> human to another. Um, the life of faith is both exhilarating and frightening. Um, it brings peace that's supernatural that you can't explain. And yet, definitely, you definitely find yourself sometimes in the middle of storms that you, you also can't explain. And... Uh, I think as a church, what I want to speak to you just for a moment as a church, those of you Revelation Church, I want to say, let's, let's not get boring and bored and trapped in the fear of what other people think. and all the, God has set us free from all that in the gospel. Let's live for Jesus. Let's go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's do this. Let's do, or, or not. Let's not do something halfway. Let's do it. Let's follow Jesus. Read the Gospels again. I want to read the Gospels because Jesus is <laughs> full on. Full on. That's, he hasn't changed. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's not tame him. Don't tame the lion. Don't tame the lion. Let the lion do his thing. Follow him. And those of you that maybe you don't know Jesus, I just want to, I want to, I want to call you to know him. I know it's really kind of unfashionable to say to people, come to know Jesus, you need to be a Christian, but I want to say it. I want to say it. Jesus said, I am the way. This is Jesus speaking. John 14 verse 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. He made many, many claims like that. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be in darkness. 
Jesus said that. I am the bread of life. Jesus said, he constantly made these exclusive claims that he was the answer to the prayer that so many people pray or the complaint that so many people complain about. If God was real, why doesn't he come down and show himself? Jesus is saying, I am. I am. And he came down and he suffered and died in our place. What a king. What a king. We're going to break bread now together. We're going to remember his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. As we're just in his presence, if you, you just, I'm going to just pray. I'm going to pray. Because it may be that today for some of you, you know, it's, you need to be, become a Christian. and No human can force that. No one can cajole you into that. But if the Holy Spirit is doing that, we need to give space for him to do that. So Lord, we just honour you. Your presence here. We honour your presence here. Just esteem you, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. Jesus. I want to ask that you would come, you would make your presence known by your spirit. That though we can't see you with our eyes, that you would make your presence known in people's hearts. In people's hearts. You would, I pray, Lord, that you just begin to move people's hearts by your spirit, Lord. You would do something. You would do something. That you would reveal, Holy Spirit, reveal the beauty of who Jesus is, I pray. Something amazing and fresh.